Well, David, the preseason's over. Training camp is done. But I have to know, what is your favorite Metallica song to listen to at 5 in the morning? Hmm. Give me what John Gruden wants. All right. Well, if you're listening to this at 5 in the morning, you're awake now, too. This is the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. I am Jason, joined as always by Dave. Uh, We have no special guest tonight, Dave, but that's okay. We're both special, right? In our own ways. There we go. So we we haven't uh, been good at this this season, but I need to ask you, what are you drinking over there? I currently have a New England IPA from Sam Adams, hazy and juicy, which is just slightly not as good as all of the other actual craft breweries that are now available. (laughs) These may be leftover beers from drafts over the weekend. I can't say for sure, Um, but I can say that I love having leftover beer from drafts. So thank you, everyone who participated in drafts and left me with a lot of beer. I, I can say for sure that those are that those are leftover draft beers. All right, excellent. And I don't know about you guys out there, but we've been through a lot of drafts in the last couple of weeks, and it's been a lot of fun. One of the things that's very interesting about doing drafts here at the the end of the preseason is when you do them, right? And I always get a lot of this uh, feedback about we we should do it at the last possible moment. We should do it um, on the Wednesday before the Thursday game. We should do it uh, on Monday, Labor Day, the the last possible moment when no one can get injured. Right, and, those are people who are wussies. Yes, that's exactly right. So, and the Andrew Lux of the world, uh, I say, why why don't you maybe try a draft a couple weeks before that? Why don't you try a why draft try in a, June? A couple months before. How about you draft in May and see what happens? Yeah, try it like the NFL does it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, see what you can put together at that point. So... Um, Shall we dive right into it then? Because we've got some week one stuff to talk about today. Sure. We're done talking about the preseason. We're done talking about drafts. If you still have drafts remaining, that's great. We have four excellent shows that you can go back and listen to in order to cram for your draft. Um, But I suggest that you don't cram for the draft and that you study for it properly. Because I've seen people draft who look like they crammed for the draft. And they take um, bad picks. Go for it. Like Mitchell Trubisky a little too early. So, let's look at a few situations to monitor going into week one. Uh, you got Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott, who had big contract issues. So, as of, I believe, this morning, Ezekiel Elliott has new money. He is the highest-paid running back in history, the highest-paid player in the history of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and he will be there week one. Uh, reportedly, he is in shape and has been you know working out uh down in mexico yada yada so um when it comes to mel uh ezekiel elliott or really anybody who's taken the preseason off like this it's it's hard to say how much they're gonna play um i think that he'll be effective early because they're playing the giants and the giants suck 
Uh, therefore, they will probably keep him in most of the game. I would start Ezekiel Elliott this week without much hesitation. Uh, how do you feel about him, Dave? Are you waiting a week on him? Well, we will talk about him later as well, but you're 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 absolutely right. If he's going to play, you, you pretty much need to play him. And, and how often do we talk about this? I mean, start your studs. I believe is the thing we always say. Yeah, I mean, there's a possibility that the coaching staff there holds him back a little bit, whether it's because he is out of shape a bit or because they want to teach him a lesson. It doesn't really matter. I mean, they they paid him the money to be the guy for years. They obviously have already told him what's going to happen. Uh, by the paycheck. So right, I don't know what kind of lesson you're going to teach him by paying him the money and then not giving him the ball. Well, I mean, teams have been stupider in the past. You know? <laughs> this is a good point. Uh, but but what it really means is is that Tony Pollard, uh, which a lot of people have picked up and even drafted, is not worth very much at all. In a similar vein to uh, if you had had a couple of years ago Le'Veon Bell and his backup, uh, well, the backup is only valuable if that player is out for an extended period of time. Right, when you're picking up D'Angelo Williams, when Le'Veon Bell had his several years of holdouts, but then reported, um, stuff like that. So yeah. uh, we've also got Melvin Gordon to take a look at. So Gordon's situation is a lot different. Uh, Dave, as you were detailing this to me over the weekend, uh, Melvin Gordon is in his fifth year of his rookie contract, which means that if he does not play a snap this year, he still becomes a free agent at the end of the season. So this is a lot different than Zeke's situation. Uh, Zeke uh, or Zeke had an owner who is willing to throw money at problems. That is definitely Jerry Jones's M.O., um, and the Spanoses are pretty much the opposite of that. They will not throw money at anything. Um, so I don't expect Melvin Gordon to get a new contract this year. So unless he is okay with missing out on the, I don't know, five or so million dollars, 5.6, I think, that he was due this year, um, he'll probably miss most or all of the season um, and then just become a free agent or have to go through this all again next year if he gets franchised. Uh, so... Melvin Gordon not going to be starting in week one as of right now, which is Wednesday evening, uh, September 4th. Tomorrow the season starts. Obviously the Chargers I don't think play until Sunday, uh, or maybe it's Monday night. Well, even if even if Gordon was to come back, I don't know that he would play in week one at this point. Um, the interesting thing about the Melvin Gordon saga is, of course, that a couple of people have dug into what kind of trades were actually being pursued. And according to uh, beat reporters' sources uh, and people that are close with the league and with Melvin Gordon and with some of these teams, the only real offer out there was one from the Eagles for uh, trading kind of a mid-round pick and then giving them uh, Jordan Howard. Uh, In return for Melvin Gordon, it really just means that it was never going to happen, that they weren't actually shopping him around realistically. So they, the Chargers already knew that this was kind of brewing, and they've been they've been uh, saving up their pennies, you know. So right now they have Austin, pinching the hell out of their pennies, more like they've got Austin Hickler and Justin Jackson, and the two of those will be fine for the time being. But the real problem here um, is what happens if Melvin Gordon doesn't come back at all. Will those two be able to hold up for the whole season because they don't really have depth behind them? Yes, they can split the carries. They can figure out which one of them has the hot hand. We've seen Austin before do pretty well. But but what happens if there is no Melvin Gordon for real and he just becomes a free agent? Uh, do the Chargers lose a little bit of that spark? 
because Melvin Gordon is better than either of those other two guys. Uh, he absolutely is. I mean, he had a great season last year. His touchdown total was a bit gaudy, in fact, uh, which is something that I would not expect him uh, to repeat if he were to play all season. So um, you do have to kind of temper expectations on Melvin Gordon coming back. That being said, he is one of probably the top five running backs in the league still uh, when he is active and playing all the time. You know, he averaged 5.1 yards per attempt last season. The the top guys don't usually get that high. Uh, he had 10 touchdowns on the ground, another four through the air. That's Gurley-esque, if you will. So uh, Melvin Gordon really does have a nose for the touchdown uh, for the end zone, that is, you know, in his uh, last three seasons, 10, 8, and 10 touchdowns on the ground, uh, 10 more touchdowns through the air. You know, his rookie season was the only year where he struggled to score. So uh, even though it is not an easily repeatable stat, uh, three years is a trend, right, Dave? Yeah. Or three three of anything is a trend. No, he's a, he's a great running back. Uh, I think their, their offensive line is decent. It's... It's kind of a sad situation, but now that you've seen the holdout happen from Le'Veon Bell, you've seen Andrew Luck retire, we may see more and more of these things. It's uh, it's the global warming crisis of the NFL. Hey, power to the players, chaos to the fantasy football. I'm all for both of that. Well, chaos to the fantasy football happens regardless. Exactly. So that doesn't really matter. Let's just stir it up and you know shake up the fucking snow globe again. There you go. So um, now you're down to the practical decision. Would you rather start Austin Eckler or Justin Jackson? Can you give me a pronunciation on the last name? I looked it up. I can't find it. I've heard it both ways. I was looking that up earlier. I can't find it. Okay. There is an Austin Eckler YouTube video that we could watch really no, quick. No, that's okay. Okay. But... Uh, it's I called My Journey, Austin Eckler. The obvious answer is... Uh, He's staring at a football The obvious very, <laughs> very seriously. The obvious answer is you start Austin. But Justin Jackson is a guy who could who could easily uh, propel himself to uh, such heights as uh, a Melvin Gordon or something based on his statistics, uh, etc. He, he looks like... Um, uh, you know the the scores that he's had in uh, the Spark and the way he's performed at the Combine and the way that people think about him as an athlete that he could exceed expectations and take over the position. However, Austin is clearly the uh, the veteran guy that that they have on their team and have had for a couple of years. Well, he's used, been around two years, whereas Jackson's been around one. But they've used him for two years now, absolutely, and and they know what they have in him, and so they will use him more often. That's that's what will happen unless we get the whole hot hand thing, which is certainly possible. And in that case, uh, Justin Jackson is an outstanding pickup or play. Um, but it's one of those guys that you don't necessarily want to draft because it might just end up being a wasted spot on your lineup. Yeah, and I mean, if you, the only real reason you would draft Justin Jackson is if you had Melvin Gordon, in my opinion. Well, look, now it's not the case. It was the case before, but now that is not is a moot point because Melvin Gordon is probably not going to play for at least the first half of the season. It seems that way for sure. So, um, so I that, agree with you. I would go with Austin Eckler to start with. Um, Eckler and Jackson are guys that are both worth uh, looking at owning. I would imagine that they're both mostly owned in leagues. Uh, I can look that up really quick. Uh, certainly... Um, Mr. Eckler is owned in uh, most of the leagues. And Justin Jackson is owned in 38% of Yahoo leagues. So definitely somebody who you could pick up as a waiver pickup 
uh, either a free agent right now or a waiver pickup next week well, this, if he does anything worthwhile. This has been a situation for a while now, right? Melvin Gordon is not someone who said, I'm going to suddenly hold out. This has been happening the entire preseason. Right. This is not a surprise. And I, I still remember when we first talked about this, and then you're like, no, he's not going to do anything. He's fine. I was unaware of the fifth-year <laughs> rule. That's, that does sort of change the calculus on the whole situation. It's the same where shit. he can become... Yes, it's much... In fact... Um, had Le'Veon Bell come back to play, he would have been getting what twelve or thirteen million for the franchise tag. If uh, if Melvin Gordon comes back, five point six million is not very much for a year as a prime running back, considering Ezekiel Elliott just got about three times that much money. Well, Melvin just saw what happened with Le'Veon, and based on his own statistics, if he was to hold out the entire year and get signed with another team. He will at least earn guaranteed money, which is if he came back this year, there would be nothing guaranteed, and he uh, uh, he would probably not get very much money during the well. He wouldn't get very much money, like you just mentioned. Yeah, uh, whatever he's going to earn regularly throughout the season, about three hundred and thirty thousand dollars per game, and he has the chance of getting injured. So at this point, is there any reason for him to come back? I, more power to you, Melvin. You fucking hold out and wait for the real money. See, I'm I'm not on the side of the players or the teams. I, I think a lot of this is craziness, but uh, I do see that that like I just said, if you're looking at logic, why would you not why would you not hold out here if you have enough money to just relax for a year? Go relax, you know, keep keep fit. Get in the yourself gym. a jet ski. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Look, go, it's, go on some of those vacations that Ezekiel goes on. You're not wrong, Dave, where it's hard <laughs> to root for the millionaires versus the billionaires. Um, I totally see where you're coming from. That being said, I've always felt that running backs were severely undervalued by teams, so I would support you know running backs sort of trying to regain a bit of that power. But we don't need to make this political. The point the point is that from a fantasy perspective, which all of you guys listening and, and myself are interested in, I, I'm not friends with Melvin Gordon. I just want him to play football because he's a good football player. So he's if, if rules need to change, change them. That's fine. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I don't expect him to play this year. I don't because logically, why would he? Let's, I mean, why would he? Yeah, I totally agree. So uh, we'll move on from uh, the running backs who did you notice they're no longer called diva running backs guys who hold out i feel like the public opinion has sort of shifted on this a little i don't know i think i think the the reason they're not called diva running backs is because antonio brown has that crown <laughs> all all wrapped up damn you got it you got it so on to the 49ers backfield which is very muddled at the moment uh the official depth chart was released by the team yesterday uh matt breda is listed as the number one tevin coleman their big free agent acquisition is listed as the number two now breda was very effective last season i believe he led the league in yards per carry for most of the season if not all of it uh so i want to know dave um who do you like in that backfield? Uh, who would you start if you had both of them? Uh, which would probably indicate you didn't draft very well, but oh, Brita or Coleman, who would you rather have going in week one? Well, first I object to to that posit that if you have both of them, you didn't draft well. Well, perhaps you drafted one and then took the other one as like a safety net. I that do, would be okay. I do have a league where I have both of them. Oh, excellent. But I think I'm I just in, don't like Tevin Coleman. I think, I've, t- I've taken Breida in a few places. I think I'm in nine leagues, so... <laughs> I think you have everyone. 
Now, that said, there's no real reason not to like Tevin Coleman. Uh, Tevin Coleman's stats last year, 167 rushes for 800 yards with an average of 4.8, four touchdowns. 32 receptions for 276 yards and five touchdowns. If you compare that to Matt Breida's... They're uh, very close, in fact. He has 153 rushes for 814 yards uh, with three touchdowns and 27 receptions for 261 and two touchdowns. So one could argue that Tevin Coleman is a better receiving back, at least in the, the statistics that we have available to us from last year, uh, and that Matt Breida is maybe a better short yardage back. But there's no reason to argue any of that. The point is, Jerk McKinnon is on IR. He's not coming back. Yeah. And so these are the two backs that they have. I think that they will just play the hot hand game. I don't think that there's any real reason to pick one over the other, uh, except perhaps because Tevin Coleman has been in the league for four years. Uh, this will be his fifth. And Brita, it will be his third year. And if you look at their... Uh, but it's Brita's third year in the system... Whereas it's Tevin Coleman's first. And if you look at their uh, their height and weight, uh, Breed is 5'11", 195, uh, and, and Coleman is 6'1", 210. So they might want to use Coleman just a little bit more in the short yardage and goal line situations just because he has a little bit uh, bigger build. I think that, I, I, I disagree, I think that Breda is better fit for that. Being shorter and a little stockier I think helps there. I, I remember over the summer I was looking at... Well, Coleman has more touchdowns in rushing with the same amount right. of statistics. I think Coleman has a little bit more breakaway speed to him. Um, but I was looking at other running backs similar to Coleman, and I just wasn't impressed with Coleman's build. It, you know, I, I felt like he wasn't the right size for a running back, necessarily. I, I mean, he's very close to he's like a Le'Veon to be, Bell, for example. He's very close to a David Johnson, so I'm not really sure what you're trying to infer. Those guys are special talents, I guess. Okay, so Tevin I, Coleman's never had the chance to be a feature back. I, I'm not saying that he yeah, will be he amazing. He absolutely has. He started 14 games last year. That's a feature back. So Matt Breida put up basically the same stats in one fewer start and two fewer overall games. So they had the right. same amount of rushes. He was not a feature back with 167 rushes. They're they're very close to being the same sort of production. So that's they're, what they're makes gonna it split such, the carries. Jay. That's what makes it such a hard decision. It's not a decision. They're going to split the carries, and whoever has the hot hand will get you know get more. Right? That's exactly what will happen. So you're flipping a coin between them, or is there one guy that you lean towards? Well, what's the ADP on these guys? Isn't isn't Tevin Coleman a little bit above Breed at this point? Uh, so if you if you if you prefer Matt Breida, that's fine. But it feels like it's one of those situations where, kind of like New England running backs, you're going to choose one over the other, and you're going to have him be your running back three or something like that, and then he's going to end up not performing in the games you need him to. I I would avoid the situation unless it becomes more clear who is the main running back in this offense. So under PPR, according to Fantasy Pros ECR rankings, Coleman is 28 and Breida is 30. Exactly. So, I mean, the experts that are out there, I mean, myself included, are basically saying they're a similar player. And until the 49ers tell you who it is that they're going to go with, why would you arbitrarily choose as a fan? I'm just saying you might have to. <laughs> well, you never have to choose a 49ers running back. Well, you back. told me that you, <laughs> that you have both of them on a team. That was the reason why I have both of them. I don't have any teams with, with only one of them. I have one team with both of them. Okay. And the reason is because I'm going to figure out which one is getting the, the work and cut the other one. Fair enough. So we expect at the moment a 50-50 split until they can figure out which one works better in their system. I mean, 
Don't you agree? Like the stats are are real, real similar. I didn't know that they were this freaking close. <laughs> I like Brita, but that's because I've I've not liked Coleman in the past, and I really did like Brita last year. So I am admittedly biased over like what I've rooted for in fantasy before. So I want to see Brita keep doing well. Um, but it looks like it's going to be right down the middle right now, and it it may even stay right down the middle. It may not be a thing where like they decide to go with one or the other. It's going to be a tough fight, and these are the kinds of things that that are worth bringing up that are very interesting in fantasy. Uh, but one of those players will just be better, and if they're not, then why not just fifty fifty split them? And at that point, if they're not, if one of them isn't better, then that's not good for the Forty ers No, it's fine for the Forty ers they, they they just split them. They, they I think they need someone to sort of stand out and rise to the top. Why? They don't give a damn about fantasy football production. <laughs> who cares if yeah, they Yeah, yeah, you got a point. Who cares if they each get if they each get seven touchdowns, both of them together get fourteen, you know? Like who Sure, that's great production from your backfield. <laughs> so uh let's move to another red team, the Chiefs. Uh they just signed LaShawn McCoy and uh he you know, he has his new favorite his his old favorite coach, Andy Reid. So um, McCoy will probably get used right away on Sunday. And how is this going to affect Damian Williams? Um, is McCoy worth using as a flyer in week one? If you have someone like Melvin Gordon or a muddled uh, San Francisco backfield to deal with, um, or is it going to be kind of Damian Williams most of the way, McCoy a little bit of a split? I, this is another one where I really don't have a good gauge on it. Obviously McCoy is much older than Williams in this situation, so I wouldn't expect a whole season of good production from McCoy, but it certainly could be that over a game or two, he could be the old Shady McCoy, right? This is such an interesting situation, and, and, and all these back situations are interesting. I find, it, uh, I find it funny that when we were talking about the positional battles, we didn't really bring up anything about wide receivers, <coughs> quarterbacks. It's all running backs. And, and that may be a little bit more um, common uh, that this, this situation comes up because you don't really know what's going to happen until, uh, until it exhibits uh, itself in the regular season. But let's look at the backfield. The backfield is LaShawn McCoy they traded for, uh, Damian Williams, who is a guy who came in uh, from the Dolphins. He's, he's not a guy that was a Kansas City guy. He's not a guy that was chosen by Andy Reid. True. Damian Williams is now in his sixth year. And he's not really a guy that um, that Andy Reid even necessarily believes in, based on the things that he said before about injury proneness, etc. And you've got Darwin Thompson, who's a, a rookie there, who uh, has had drawn comparisons to Tariq Cohen. Uh, he's able to catch the ball real well in the backfield. A lot of people think him; they look at him as a sleeper. So all those three guys could do pretty well. Right. As, and they also have Daryl Williams, who they like to rotate through last year. Yeah, I think he's. And out they of the even kept a fifth moment, running back on their roster this year. So what does that lead you to believe? To me, it means it's going to be a committee backfield, an actual committee backfield. And I know fantasy people don't like to hear that, um, especially because Lashawn McCoy already has a relationship with Andy Reid from the Philadelphia Eagles, and you know that's that's already occurred there. He kind of knows what he has in McCoy. He's seen McCoy. McCoy did well in the preseason in Philadelphia. He had four one thousand yard rushing seasons. Um, he's a is he a thirty two year old or thirty one year old running back at this point? Um, so it won't be pot. It he's thirty one. He just turned thirty one. It won't be difficult for McCoy to to do well to excel more than he would have in Buffalo. And the problem with that situation is if he excels okay, it means that, that Damian Williams won't 
It will all come at the expense of Damian Williams. And Darwin Thompson will not. And and that means that if it's a real committee where LaShawn McCoy has 50, 60% of the snaps, that he's the only person that will have fantasy value. Is this a situation where we see LaShawn McCoy as having the most upside? I think so. But here's the problem. I think I think McCoy McCoy is not right now the starter there. If I if I'm correct. he is not not according to the depth chart, and I think in the real world he is not the starter. Well, we don't really know how it's going to work yet, but we do know this: Andy Reid is is aware of the injury issues that Damian Williams has. He thinks he's a fragile running back, and he doesn't want to have him out there all the time. He doesn't think that he is a starting running back that can run uh, you know thirty touches per game. And and he's he's talked about this. He's he's mentioned it in in preseason, etc. Uh, and and Damian Williams even was hurt for some of preseason, backing up some of the stuff that that I'm talking about. So I think what'll happen is Damian Williams will end up being the starter. But just because he's the starter, I think Lashawn McCoy will still end up getting a bunch <coughs> of short yardage, maybe even goal line looks, and Darwin Thompson will come in uh, uh, in, in third down passing situations. Etc. So what, what does that mean to me? It means that probably none of these guys are a surefire bet on any one week. You know, what, what I see looking at last year's stats is that Damien Williams really had almost no work in most of the games, but then he finally started the last three games of the season, and he was okay. He was finding the end zone a lot, which is why he gets a lot of hype in fantasy football. Six touchdowns in the last four weeks. That's amazing. But once Kareem Hunt was out, that's when they started using him, and not even, like, a lot. So what what I see from the Chiefs is that they want to leave one guy they can rely on in there. So as long as, in my opinion, as long as LaShawn McCoy can keep Patrick Mahomes clean and, you know, pick up the blitz when it needs to be and stuff like that, that I think LaShawn McCoy is going to get a lot of the work early in the season, and he's going to be given the biggest chance to be the main back there. Now, if he's ineffective running the ball like his – uh, 3.2 yards per attempt last season, then it's not going to last long. But if he can do four yards per carry and catch the ball and keep Mahomes from getting sacked too many times, then I think you're going to see LaShawn McCoy at a 60% split, like you were saying. But they already were rotating the running backs. They had Damian, they had Darrell, they, they had they, they were doing they it all the time. When Kareem Hunt was there, when Kareem Hunt was healthy last year, they were not doing that. It was all Kareem Hunt. That's fine, but uh, Kareem Hunt is a, a younger guy who who is who was skilled in all of those things. And like you said, the most important thing for the Chiefs is protect the quarterback, right? right. So it's going to be about who is good at blocking, not about who is is the best possible guy, the youngest, the fastest guy, because they know that their offense is not all about running the football; it's about passing the football. And those options and those lanes will open up anyway because of the way that Mahomes and his offense is able to carry the football down the field. Yeah. So I, I right now, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to, to say, go get McCoy, he's the starter. Even though Damian Williams is a starter, I don't think I would say, go get Damian Williams, he'll be the starter. I'm saying, go get McCoy, make sure that he's on a team if he's available. Yeah, I don't think so. I think none of these guys really end up being worth much. Because all of them are going to split carries in different situations. If Andy Reid likes McCoy because of his blocking, and he certainly doesn't like him because of his yards per carry last year. Uh, Not last year's, no. <laughs> then that's just going to take away from Damian Williams' but they possibility didn't, they didn't of being a good running They didn't just give him like a small, prove-it contract. They gave him $3 million guaranteed on a $4 million contract. That's not 
too shabby. I don't know. That's almost Melvin Gordon money. No. <laughs> That's potatoes, man. That's Irish potatoes for no, well, I mean, I, I don't know when... It could uh, be McCoy's last contract. I mean... It probably will be. He's been in the league for 10 years now. A running back does generally not last that long. Well, it's hard. It's going to be hard to tell, but I, I think it means moot. I know you want for one of these things to happen, but just because you want them to happen won't make it so. Oh, come on. Don't ruin my day like that. <laughs> so I... I Personally, I think that LaShawn McCoy may be a sneaky start early in the year. Let me just say this. Maybe McCoy will end up doing okay. Um, I just think that Damian Williams is not the guy that you think he is. Right, and I think that LaShawn McCoy is the guy who you think he is, but Andy Reid thinks he's still a little something else, or he's got a little something more. Well, McCoy might be the starter, but not get a lot of fantasy points. That could still happen. But Okay, so the, the one thing that you always want... You know, the the one thing we can usually measure week to week is how many touches does somebody get? How much volume of work is someone going to get? And I think McCoy is going to get enough to be worthy of being a starter in the first five weeks of the season. But if they split it three ways, that's not true. I don't think they're going to split it. I, I don't see how they could keep Darwin Thompson out of there. He, he looked better than all of them as a passing down back. I, I mean... Is it unreasonable to think that LaShawn McCoy wouldn't just be in there for short yarded situations? Um and then Is Darwin Dam- Thompson a rookie? Yes. Okay. And then Damian Damian Williams would be there for uh the, the times where they needed somebody with more speed and athleticism, and Darwin Thompson would be there for some third down passing back situations. I the only reason I say no to that is because historically that's not what Andy Reid runs. Yeah, well. He goes with one guy that he can trust to do everything, and that guy is not Damien Williams, it's LaShawn McCoy. Well, then we can only agree on one thing, which is Damien Williams is not the guy. I, I Yes, All unfortunately right. so. And he was being drafted pretty high. Well, a lot of our, our a lot of our friends, a lot of the experts that I talk to, etc., are are all saying the same thing, that Damien Williams is is just another guy that had a really good year. And just a good end to the year. He had a good stretch of four games. I would like him to, to be amazing. It's not like his stats were even that amazing but, in those four games. But it's not very often that a guy who's played for six years suddenly becomes like an outstanding running back. It's more like on the Kansas City Chiefs, they just needed someone to put it in the end zone. Right. I mean, somebody's got to catch all those touchdown passes. from. <laughs> it could have been like the fullback from Green Bay. What was his name? Uh, John Kuhn. Yeah, it could have been John Kuhn. I mean, anybody yep. at this point. All right, so one more backfield that is muddled as fuck. Uh, you've got the Texans, who um, just completely blew up any hope of the future of their team for success today over the weekend. Um, you know, they traded away a bunch of picks. They traded away Clowney. I don't know if I agree with that. They traded away the first-round pick next this next year and the year after, and the second-round pick the year after. They have a team that could win the Super Bowl right now. Uh, I don't know that they're a Super Bowl contender. Okay. I don't know that they quite made it there. That's all. Uh, they have a lot of talent. They have a ton of talent. They remind me of, like, Cleveland, where <laughs> they have a lot of talent, but they this, haven't put it together yet. That's ridiculous. Cleveland Cleveland has never had talent, and they've never put it together. Cleveland has a ton of talent now, but that's a different show. <laughs> so the Texans have Duke Johnson, whom they acquired earlier this year, and Carlos Hyde, whom they acquired just recently. You do know, by the way, that, that the Houston Texans acquired in some of those trades offensive linemen that will help 
Deshaun Watson throw the ball even more. To yes, they got Laramie receiver. Tunzel, which is a huge deal. They finally have a good left tackle to help protect Deshaun Watson. That is very important. But that's going to benefit, I think, the receivers more than it's going to benefit the running backs. Um, so typically the right side of your line is what helps you run, and the left side is what helps you pass. Well, nothing can benefit Lamar Miller at this point except for hospital beds and, and rehab. Magical ACLs. Yeah. Um, so neither of the uh, backs who I just mentioned, Johnson and Hyde, were on the team at the beginning of August. So I'm wondering how this split is going to work. Obviously they were planning on sort of supplementing Lamar Miller, and that's not going to happen. Uh, maybe to their benefit, because let's be honest, Lamar Miller is kind of just another guy. Um, so would you bother starting either Duke Johnson or Carlos Hyde this week? 100%. Duke Johnson, they're going to throw the ball to, they're going to give the ball to, he's going to be the running back there. Okay. 100%. Now, I don't know if he can hold that position. I don't know if he'll be able to uh, you know, sub- sub- subsist uh, for multiple games uh, all the way through to the back half of the season. And it's clear that the Texans are looking for more running back help and depth, and they need it, even if they don't get someone to supplant Duke Johnson, they'll still want somebody to be back there behind that could back up uh, and come forward. Uh, And Carlos Hyde is basically worthless as a football player. Um, I don't disagree with that at all. He's, you know, moved around a lot of teams lately. He started out in San Francisco last year. He was in Jacksonville and then Cleveland. Um, And he's basically been the guy that someone acquires when someone else has has an ACL injury (laughs) lately. Right? I mean, that's that's kind of what happens. But they don't have hardly any running back depth, and and they're just acquiring people like him that that other people have let go. So you're 100% correct uh, in thinking that maybe someone else will come in, maybe they'll get somebody else, but I don't know who that would be at this point. Carlos Hyde has accidentally found the end zone a bunch Uh, I think that's why he's so well-known and so popular at the moment. But um, as for the Texans, I mean, what do they got in the backfield? Behind those two. Taiwan Jones. Taiwan Jones and Buddy Howell. The really great thing about Duke Johnson is that he's clearly a a dual threat. And, I mean, look at Cleveland 2017. He's only been in the league for four years. Each year he's had more than 60 targets and more than 40 receptions. So he's one of those guys that is going to be really helpful, uh, even more so than Lamar Miller was. Uh, so they may use a running back in a different way, yeah. but he's able to protect the quarterback. He's a, a third down back that could go uh, 100%, and he's never missed a football game in his life. So Carlos Hyde has only one receiving year that he even could compare to that, where he had 88 targets and 59 catches, but... Carlos Hyde's yards per catch, 5.6 on the career. Uh, Duke Johnson, 9.2. Yeah, they're, they're different guys. So I do like, I, I also like Duke here. Um, but I just, a lot of know. people think he's fragile, but he's never missed a game. He's never missed a game in four years. Yeah, 16, he's only started 10 games in his career, but 64 games in four seasons is very impressive for the, the a prob- back. The problem with him is that he's never really had more than 100 rushes. Only his rookie year did they try uh, to give him more than 100. He got 104. Uh, but for the rest of the time, he's been solidly in third down back territory. So I think... He they, doesn't find the end zone. That's the problem. I mean, I think they... Well, no, he doesn't even have the opportunities to, really. I, I, th- I think they give Carlos Hyde the opportunity to be a short yardage running back. They're not going to like it. It would be better if they had someone else. Yeah, they're not going like, to... You know, what's going to happen is going to be like Cam Newton. Deshaun Watson is going to be the short yardage back on this team. <laughs> yeah, maybe. 
But but when when we talk about splitting carries and splitting touches, I feel like Duke Johnson, even though he's not the short yardage guy, he's getting two thirds of the work. He's going to have more of the work than anyone else on that team. So he's going to have maybe his best year of all time. So real quick, because we don't only talk about running backs on this show, uh, Kenny Stills is the new acquisition for Houston. Is he going to do anything, you think? He's kind of behind uh, the three big guys there. So my opinion is Kenny Stills backs up Will Fuller, and when Will Fuller gets injured, injured in Week 10, then he goes out there and he's the you say long- Week 2? With ten, week two, With ten. Week Will Fuller get injured in week two? No, he will. I Fuller, drafted him all over the place, and I expect him. to Will get Fuller is fantastic. He's amazing, and he, you're you're gonna love him because he's a high end wide receiver two, and he's being drafted like a wide receiver three or four. When playing with Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller averages one point touchdowns per game. Yes, he it's amazing. One touchdown per game. Thank you. <laughs> but Kenny Stills uh, is is not a part of this uh, relationship yet. He he doesn't have that communication. Uh, he's an he's an older guy. He's it's just not it's not going to work out for him right away. However, if Will Fuller is to be injured, and he has been injured almost every single year, if not every year, then Kenny Stills will come in at the end and have a similar kind of a uh, of a place on the team as Will Fuller. But I just think Will Fuller and Deshaun Watson's chemistry is something that cannot be matched. Something that can't be made or created cannot be reproduced no it can't it can neither be created nor destroyed that's right <laughs> it is just pure energy <laughs> it's antimatter. <laughs> all right this one goes out to will i'm glad you drafted him i think he's going to be awesome i have him in like three leagues well i drafted sean watson in a few leagues too you're going towards the light side my friend So, save for the very first song we played tonight, there is a theme to all the music that we're playing. If you can pick it out, then you need to let us know, and you may win a prize. Just tweet us, or really DM us on Twitter, at Drink5. Shoot us an email, Jason at Drink5, David Drink5. Just find a way to get in contact with us. Yeah, we don't care how you communicate. Just communicate. Smoke signals, send us a, send us snail mail. Okay. I'll be curious as to how you got my address, but I'll probably just go ahead and send you something anyways. So I do uh, rankings every week and uh, for, for the draft and for the postseason. It's on FantasyPros.com. And we're not getting paid by FantasyPros.com, but we really do enjoy the site as well. So I would like to mention that there's uh, there's a lot of things that that site does for you and uh, that it can do uh, to supplement your own fantasy knowledge and allow you to sync your teams with it and see things in a way that maybe you wouldn't otherwise. So I, I recommend taking a look at it, not necessarily spending all the money on it if you don't want to, but uh, taking a look at it is worth it. Sure. The money part is optional. Uh, I'm going to look at the rankings that I just completed earlier this afternoon and compare them to the ECR, which is the expert consensus rankings of, again, earlier this afternoon uh, on these players. And talk about some guys that we like more and we like less as far as Drink 5 rankings are concerned. uh, Versus uh, the general consensus. From the consensus, that's right. The expert consensus rankings. FYI, this is all for half PPR, which is where I make my rankings. 
Um, and uh, every- Which is where you should have your league. <laughs> I, I do think that half PPR or full point PPR and a super flex is where most people should go nowadays. So that's, that's what I would recommend to anybody who asks me uh, if they wanted to create a league. What, what kind of league would you make? I would say a super flex league with a big-ish bench at half point or full point PPR. I totally agree. I think super flex is the wave of the future in fantasy football. There's probably not a ton of leagues that do that now. I would wager that in the next three years or so, at least 50% of leagues are going super flex because of the depth at the quarterback position. Yeah, and, it, and it's fun too. It's just it's more fun to have those quarterbacks on your team and then to have a scarcity at the quarterback position is really great. Cause Rather it, than, yeah an overabundance. I had a, a guy in a league I was with ask me a few years ago, why would you do that? It's not like you can play two quarterbacks in a NFL game. What's the point? And I said, dude, it's called fantasy football. We're just making it up. <laughs> it's okay. To just, and he's oh, yeah, I guess you got a point. That's right. He, so, does, he does have a point. So who do you like more than the rest <laughs> of the group, Dave? So let's go through some of these and have a little bit of commentary. I know we don't have a whole ton of time to uh, touch on this stuff, and we have some other things to Take touch on. Take all the on. time you want, Dave. Well, I, I appreciate you, Jason. That's great. Um, if there's uh, if there's anybody around to grab some whiskey, I could use one more of those, perhaps. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott. We touched on him earlier. I have him as the running back 11 right now. That's plus 7 over the ECR. Again, that's the expert consensus ranking. So I have him above where most people do. Now, some of that might be right now because of the fact that he just signed. And it might come up as we approach the end of the week. But the point is, limited snap count is the word on the street, right? Tony Pollard is not worth owning. We talked about that earlier. Back and in business is Ezekiel Elliott. But can you trust him as a week one guy? I think the answer is yes. And as we move forward towards Sunday, I think my ranking might even go up a little bit. I want to see some news that says... Little Zeke uh, bump. That says, you know, we're not going to have him on a leash. But... I, I'm a little uh, concerned because I think that because he wasn't being conditioned, he wasn't with the team, he might be a little behind some of the plays. They might actually do it and only give him like a you know 30 or, or 40 snap count. I don't believe in 20, which like I'm hearing on Roto World. That's insane. But if they give him half the snaps, he'll probably still come out of there with 100 yards and a touchdown because he's Ezekiel Elliott and his smile is as big as the Rio Grande. Ah. James White, running back 18, is where I have him. I have him plus 10 above the ECR. I know Jason's smiling over there about this. Uh, one of the league's best defenses against the run last year, uh, they they are playing against. Okay? okay. That's the Steelers. The ninth least fantasy points against running backs. But the the Patriots will probably be constantly throwing to him on third downs here. Uh, and, and James White is, is always going to be that third down passing back. So... When you look at running back oh. uh, fantasy points against, that's not really what you need to look at for James White because this is not a guy who is constantly in short-yarded situations. He's more of a receiver. And I think that um, that he's going to end up having a good game against the Steelers, which is why I rank him at running back 18. I generally see that, that short passes work well against the Steelers. Um, especially in New England and Pittsburgh games, and I'm a Pittsburgh fan, so I, I consider him to be uh, maybe the top uh, of the top twenty running back plays this particular week. Any... I like the, I, 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 you know me. I draft way too many New England Patriots running backs, <laughs> um, but I do like so. 
Uh, I don't consider this a Sony Michelle game. I consider this a James White game. I, I, I figure that you're also a pro football reference guy when it comes to stats. And one thing I noticed with some of the running backs, like a Darren Sproles, is that um, they list the receiving stats before the rushing stats on some of these running backs. James White is one of those guys. And so, yeah, I mean, he is a receiver in a running back's body. Uh, he mostly plays receiver. I mean, hell, he had 87 catches on 123 targets last year and only 94 carries. They clearly want to use him more out of the backfield, more catching the ball than actually running it. Well, the problem with James White, and, and I've owned him in many different leagues, uh, I, I like owning him in PPR leagues the most because he generally isn't scoring a lot of touchdowns. He might have scored two touchdowns in a game, but he's not a touchdown-scoring machine. He's a guy who catches a bunch of passes in the backfield and sometimes breaks free. So, um, and he's done really well on big stages, I think, is one of the reasons why he's a little more well-known. But the problem is, just like a receiver who's a boom-and-bust receiver, he is that kind of guy in the receiving back position. Where James White might only get two passes in a game, he will occasionally get ten passes in a touchdown. And, Absolutely. And so, if you're going to use him, you should you should use him in PPR leagues especially, and you should not be afraid to use him against any team that is good against the short yardage running backs. That's What's, that's where I would use him a hundred percent of the time. That's a very good point. So, um, so would you start him over Sony Michelle next week? Yes, this week I would. Okay. Darius Geis, running back 32. Now he's plus five. Why are we talking about a guy who's never going to take another snap in the NFL? That's an inside joke. <laughs> I have him as five higher than the ECR. He has been announced as a starter for Washington. Washington has issues. They don't have a great offensive line, etc. But they're going to have a large amount of carries to counterbalance the weak situation at quarterback and wide receiver. Until we figure out what's going to happen with Keenum uh, and Haskins and... Uh, McLaurin and and old Paul Richardson, all these guys. Not the only known factor on that team is Adrian Peterson. Adrian, Peterson, everyone knows that he's old. Adrian Peterson is now a backup, and we'll talk about him a little bit later. But I like guys to be. Is a, he technically the backup now? Yes, I did not know that. Guys was now announced officially as the starter for Washington. Okay, and so I like guys going forward, but he's going to be very unpredictable because the gameplay situation is going to be dictated by how many points Washington is down. And there may be some games where he has 25 touches and he scores 100 yards and a touchdown. That That's fine. I expect that. But there are those probably the games be, that new, the Washington are going to win? There's probably going to be at least... There might be two of those. More than the Giants. Uh, <laughs> but, but I Another do, inside joke. I do expect for there to be uh, plenty of games during the season where Geist doesn't score a lot of points because they're down by too much and they have to just chuck the ball. I think that you're going to see a lot of Chris Thompson in situations like that. And I agree. Uh, Giovanni Bernard, I have his running back 41. right. That's... Giovanni Bernard! That's Bernard. Uh, 15 above where ECR has him. Rodney Anderson is a guy that I really liked, and everybody in Cincinnati really liked. He tore his ACL. He tore his right ACL twice. He just tore it again. I don't Well, think... he probably tore two different ACLs, because they don't fix the old one. They usually give you a new one. Like a pig cadaver ACL. Well, a human cadaver, I believe. A monkey ACL. You want monkey? <laughs> Monkeys are the humans of nature. In any case, uh, Rodney Anderson, unfortunately, probably won't play another down in the NFL. So, 
the person a single down in, in fact the person behind Joe Mixon is Giovanni Bernard and Giovanni Bernard used to be really great because he was he just getting, got new money today he was getting opportunities and touches to play all the time his new coach Zach Taylor uh, makes it so based on what he says he's going to do with Giovanni which is 10 plus touches a game I think that that is coach speak I think he'll get eight plus. But look at 8-plus touches and what Giovanni has done in the past, and I will tell you that he is now a fantasy productive player who will probably be an RB3 or 4 for the rest of the season. And you know if Joe Mixon goes down, there's no longer a backup there, which means that Giovanni is an RB1. Yeah, Gio could be the... I mean, Gio just got some Melvin Gordon money, dude. <laughs> like this Melvin Gordon money shit. Hey, man. So, Giovanni, everybody makes fun of, but I think he's a much better pick in the draft or pick right now. Off I turn the him into wire, a pirate out of respect. Than, than a lot of other running backs out there that you could have. He's um, going to plunder your ass on the field. <laughs> uh, Dare Angunbowale, a running back 50. That's 24 above where he's ranked currently. And that's because on Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians, and I love this guy. I respect this guy. I've, know a lot, I've known a lot about this guy. I've been following the Steelers for a long time. Uh, I understand Sounds his like offense. you've been following him for a while. Well, yes. <laughs> uh, Peyton Barber. But like in not a good way. No, like I haven't been to his house. Peyton Barber. You haven't found it yet? Is that the problem? <laughs> Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones are currently the starters, right? Uh, but I don't believe in them. I don't. I think that uh, Agunbowale could easily steal the show. Sean Foss, our rookie expert, has mentioned him a bunch of times. I, I think that maybe it's not this week or next week or the week after, but I think this guy could be amazing. However, he's going to right away be the third down passing back in a Tampa Bay offense run by Bruce Arians. So for me, that means that this guy is going to have immediate fantasy production as a bench guy on your squad. So if you don't pick him up now... He will be a waiver wire ad in week one or two. I definitely, uh, I, I like where you're going with this because uh, both Ronald Jones and um, Peyton Barber have had their chances to be uh, respectable or even decent players nah, down in man. Tampa Bay. Neither of them have been able to do that. Ogunbowale only owned in 8% of leagues, uh, of Yahoo leagues. Whenever we give you an ownership stat, we're using Yahoo uh, ownerships there, so just in case you were wondering. Right. But yeah, only owned in 8% of leagues, which means right now he's available. After next week, he may be available still, but he, if he does well at all, he's going to be a hot pickup right away. Those waiver pickups early in the season are always the most contested ones. You know, of, of all the guys that I'm, I'm going to talk about, I, I think that, uh, that, that he may be the guy. Like, he might be that guy... That goes from eight percent to forty six percent tomorrow. Oh, you don't have a Not you don't tomorrow. have that much faith in Darius Geist Dave? next week. I like my computer. It says it's almost time to restart. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not. Stop <laughs> trying to update Windows. Not a good time. So wide receivers, Tyler Boyd. If this podcast just cuts out, then you know why, folks. <laughs> We, we have him as wide receiver 16. That's plus four over the ECR. A.J. Green out for a couple weeks. Boyd will be the number one wide receiver. Cincinnati people are sleeping on. They have a good offense. I mean, I don't really like Andy Dalton. I don't really like Cincinnati. But they always score points. And they have games where they score a lot of points. And Tyler Boyd is going to be yeah. the number one wide receiver. And his stats last year were pretty good when he was the number one wide receiver. There is no reason why he should not finish as a top 20 wide receiver this week. So if you have him in your in your lineup on your team, that's good. Jarvis Landry, wide receiver twenty four. I have him plus eight. I think he'll be involved from day one. 
five plus receptions per game. The Browns start off against the Titans, who are one of the worst teams giving up points to the wide receivers in 2018. I know that Landry has always been good, but on a team uh, like the Browns, where they have a better quarterback in Baker Mayfield, they have other wide receivers that are going to break up the safeties and defensive backs in Odell Beckham, etc. I think Landry could be a guy where even if he doesn't score any touchdowns, could still be a permanent fixture in PPR. He's going to get a lot of passes on that offense. So one stat that really worries me is his catch percentage. So his last season in Miami... because he was in the Dolphins. No, his last season in Miami, he had a 69.6% catch rate. His catch rate in Miami was generally uh, pretty respectable, you know, hovering around 70% most of the time. But uh, last year, it was only 54.4%. They were horrible last year. That has a lot to do with Baker Mayfield being a brand new player. Um, I think that, you know, that's got to come up. I don't see it improving 15%. I mean, I, I just don't, I just don't know that that's going to happen. So I, I don't know that he's going to get 150 targets again this year. Um, now we're not talking about draft stock; we're talking about how useful is he in week one. I also didn't say 150 targets. I, I simply said that he, I, I have him ranked as the wide receiver 24 this right. particular we, week. We want to know how good is he going to be week one. They're playing the Titans. They're going to pass the ball a lot. They're going to have success. Absolutely. That's all. And I and I am 100 percent behind that. I think that it may even help that he's had a year with. Uh, um, with Baker Mayfield, whereas Odell has only had an offseason. Of course it helps. And Landry is going to be an easier guy to get the ball to anyway because a lot of those Odell-Beckham passes are going to be down the field. And so they may be more fantasy points, but they're going to and be Odell more... And Odell only uses one hand to catch. They're going to be more difficult <laughs> uh, to, to actually make happen. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald I have as wide receiver 30. That's plus 9 over ECR. I think that as uh, Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals adjust to the NFL and bring out their new offense, uh, they are still going to use those guys that are the big and good targets on the team. Larry Fitzgerald is not retired from football yet. And because Larry Fitzgerald is not retired from football yet and he's on a team with Kyler Murray, it means that he's going to do really well for a while. I think you're right. I think you're definitely right there. There's no reason why Kyler wouldn't want to just throw the ball to Larry Fitzgerald. I don't understand why. Yeah, I mean, it. it why it's why like, are people telling me he's like a wide receiver seven? Like, right. what? What are you talking it's about? It's Larry F. and Fitzgerald. He's still great. Now, I could be wrong in saying the entire Arizona Cardinals offense is good, and they could just be horrible. But if they are good at all, they are throwing the ball to Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson. That's it. That's three guys. Yeah, that's all you need. That's all you need. <laughs> Geronimo Allison, wide receiver 39, that's plus 5 over ECR. Uh, with Equinemius St. Brown on IR with an ankle sprain, uh, all they really have is Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Devontae Adams. Now, Devontae Adams is all you need, but many times Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers offense, the coaches, the beat reporters have all called it called Geronimo Allison their secret weapon for Aaron Rodgers. And the Bears were amazing against the run last year, but only average against wide receivers. And when playing Green Bay specifically, not very good against Aaron (laughs) Rodgers. So if there's any game to start Geronimo... I don't know if any Bears fans remember the first game of the year last year. I don't think that the Bears are going to have to injure Aaron Rodgers for him to throw a touchdown to Geronimo Allison. That's true. Well, I mean... I think he'll throw a touchdown to Geronimo Allison, whether or not he's injured. <laughs> it's kind of the way it goes. I like Jamison Crowder, wide receiver 41. That's plus eight. An improved offense, no doubt. 
Crowder leaves the Redskins for a team with young, explosive players like Sam Darnold, Le'Veon Bell, um, Robbie Anderson. They've got a lot of players on that team that are very, very good. They actually want to win, which is the opposite of the Washington Redskins of years past. <laughs> and I don't think there's any reason why Jamison Crowder w- won't be able to get an amazing amount of passes as this slot-slash-possession receiver that he is. And on this particular squad, I don't see any reason why he won't finish is a WR3 or 4, in, in, at least in this game. Now, it could change from game to game based on game plan. But um, in this particular game, in week one, uh, I think Crowder's going to show off. I think he, everyone's going to pick him up in PPR leagues because he'll probably get like eight receptions. Now, whether he gets more than 60, 70, 80 yards, that's up for debate. But I think in PPR leagues especially, Jamison Crowder is going to kill it, kill it this year. Owned in 47% of leagues, not owned in our Drink 5 league. But that's because it's a standard league, standard not league. a PPR league. Yep. Ted Ginn, wide receiver 51. And I tried, by the way, to keep these just top 50 guys if possible. Uh, I, I did go up or down yeah, a couple. Yeah, we didn't need to know like who you think is 70 instead of 100. Yeah, who's the wide receiver 136 on my <laughs> rankings? <laughs> the ECR is crazy to think this guy's 150. He's at least 100. <laughs> That's plus 14. I think that Ted Ginn is going to be awesome playing as the number two wide receiver on the Saints. Constant deep threat for Drew Brees. I, I think he is being undervalued. I think that he's going to do really well this season. And, uh, I mean, it's going to be a boomer bust guy, right? No matter what, because he's a deep threat guy. But I think there's going to be at least five or six games where he has over 100 yards and a touchdown. And that's what you want out of a guy who's your your fifth wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, he is a bit of a deep guy. He hasn't been as much of a deep guy uh, in his career on the Saints, necessarily. And Ted Ginn is the guy who I picked on the Saints to be the one who's going to be a sleeper. So, you know, the guy who's going to kind of surprise you and perform way above uh, where people expect him to. There you go. This is sleeper music. Nice. So like Jason said, feel free to uh, give us a shout and let us know what you think the theme of the night is based on the music. And if you decide and get it right, we'll send you a little something. That's right. Do you want me to continue with the We Like Less or do you want yeah, to Yeah, on? let us know who you don't like quite so much as the rest of the, the people. All right. Well, maybe we can be a little quicker because I don't like to disparage on people too much. Okay. We like... We're here to be positive, folks. Derrick Henry, a little bit less. Running back 25. That's minus 4 from ECR. Now, all these guys, when I'm saying minus 4, minus 5, it doesn't mean that I hate them. It just means that I think they're going to underperform a little bit from, from what their ECR is. For Henry, you have to remember that from weeks 13 to 17 last season, he put up 585 rushing yards and 7 touchdowns. He's never had more than 58 rushing yards, or he never had more than 58 rushing yards in the first 12 weeks of last season. All of it came at the end. So <laughs> it was nuts. Maybe he'll be great again, but historically, he's not good early, and that's not true just last year. It's true all of the years that he's been on that team. 
Now, it, this doesn't mean that I'm right. It just means that I like going with trends, and Jason already knows that. The trends are that Derrick Henry is not a good early season running back, period. End of story. So I'm not going to rate him as high as everyone else does, um, not to mention the fact that Tennessee's offensive line is, is not great. But, Dave, he had 1,158 yards and 12 touchdowns last year. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. When you consider that all of half of that came in the last four games? It's more than half of that. <laughs> More than half. More than half. Well, six of the tu- no seven touchdowns. Seven touchdowns and five hundred eighty-five rushing yards. More, more than, than five hundred eighty-five. More than six hundred came in. Holy shit! What a what a streak that guy had. I I just what can I say? Uh, Philip Lindsay, running back twenty-six. Now I have a little minus sign on him. That's minus four. Again, ECR puts him at running back twenty-two. All signs for me from what I've seen, and I've been paying attention to. Uh, to beat reporters from Denver, to the coaches from Denver, to the players from Denver. I've watched preseason games from Denver. The signs point to more of a committee in Denver this year. They all think that Philip... a lot of Denver you got there, Dave. <laughs> I've even been to Denver recently. All right. But I didn't see any football players there. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw mountains. All, all signs point to more of a committee this year with Freeman taking more short yardage. Uh, Denver in general is a little bit afraid of Philip Lindsay. Uh, because he was kind of a, um, a running wild, kind of passing back, sort of uh, uh, more fragile kind of a guy. He had some injury concerns a couple times during the year. So I, I think that they're trying to make it more of a committee there. I don't think that Philip Lindsay is going to repeat what he did last year. I'm not saying that Philip Lindsay won't have a good year. I'm just saying that it'll be closer to 50-50 than it was previously. Uh, Justin Jackson, I have running back 45. I give him a minus 7. I don't think that Melvin Gordon's going to return, um, at least anytime soon. We talked about this earlier. It would be a big surprise if Melvin Gordon came back in the next couple of weeks at this point, right? I agree. Now, Jackson should split carries with Eckler, but Eckler should be the guy. We talked about this earlier, so I won't put a whole lot of time into it. But I think looking at the history there with Eckler and, and how well he did, it would be remiss of the Chargers not to have him as their main running back. Yeah, I mean, yes, Justin Jackson is a change of pace guy. I could see him given a larger role being more effective, but I just don't see him given the opportunity to have a larger role uh, with Eckler in front of him. Adrian Peterson, I have at running back 52. Now, last year he was surprising, and he did amazingly well. I have him uh, eight points behind what the ECR is. They actually have him up at, uh, what is that, uh, 40, 44. And I'm like, I don't want to deal with that at all. Uh, AP's getting older. Uh, Darius Geis has been named as the starter there. Chris Thompson is back to vulture passing downs. The offensive line is horrible. Every single thing points to Adrian Peterson not having a good year. I've been wrong before, like every single time I've ever mentioned Frank Gore on a podcast. (laughs) But I don't think Adrian Peterson is Frank Gore. I actually think, and this is a, a little bit of an aside, but I actually think that Frank Gore might get to the Hall of Fame never having even been like, an amazing, amazing running back. Never having actually been like a Super Bowl running back, I think Frank Cork could still make it because his stats are as good or better than any other running back that's out there. There's a big problem with that, Dave, and that's that you have to retire first. <laughs> he might never retire. Exactly. He'll be the first man to never retire from the Give NFL. Give me the jacket. Uh, um, T.Y. Hilton, 
I have as a wide receiver 33. Um, I love Hilton. He's been awesome. He he told everybody he had the best preseason he's ever had this year. And I've watched him in the interviews, and he looks jacked, and he looks excited. But with Andrew Luck... Uh, he's out of luck. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to make the same damn joke. So minus nine, I have him uh, from ECR, and he's just not as good with Jacoby Brissett as he would have been with Andrew Luck, period. The defenses will respect... Jacoby Brissett less. They will they will charge him more. They will they will they will charge him more. They will. He's getting higher prices. Yeah, at least fourteen ninety five goes to Blockbuster. I mean, those renewal fees are ridiculous. Uh, I I think not getting any late fees waived. I think with Jacoby, um, he's just not as good. Period. Because the whole offense takes a hit. And I know we talked to Sean, and we respect Sean a lot as uh, as our uh, college our rookie expert, and he said that they might not take as big of a hit as you expect. Granted, I'm going to take that advice with a grain of salt, right? But I still think they will take a hit. And the hit that I think they will take, for me, is minus nine. (laughs) Uh, My last guy is Dante Pettis. Exactly. Wide receiver, 47. I have him minus 14. Uh, 49ers, brand new year. Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, quarterback who hasn't really shown up yet. We haven't really seen him yet in the NFL doesn't mean he won't be good but it does mean that san francisco is surrounded in this big thick fog of uncertainty which is normally uh only in like tokyo and uh some other places in china although san francisco I, has a lot of fog actually i do hear that san francisco has fog as well yes <laughs> <laughs> so it's a normal thing uh i think he could be the number one receiver and the the current depth charts have him as the number one receiver but I do think that the 49ers will start off the season looking to just conventionally be good. And I think that they're going to lean on guys like Kittle and Brita and Coleman. Uh, and maybe even Goodwin. The guys that they know. The guys that have worked out there for a while. I don't think that they're going to immediately uh, be raining you know, on, on Pettis. I don't see Pettis as 120 yards and a touchdown in the first week. I just don't see it. Do I you mean, suppose that fog of uncertainty is a bit redundant? Is there such thing as a fog of clarity? Uh, I don't know. I, I could. I should speak to someone who plays Dungeons and Dragons because they sound like, uh, like, like that sort of a situation. It's it's like a spell for like a lower level mage. Yes, the fog of uncertainty. But I, I'm not against Dante Pettis. I just don't see where everyone suddenly sees him as like this number one guy that should be like a wide receiver two in the league. I don't understand how it suddenly happened. Um, and and maybe I'm wrong. But, well, I think it's also because we like Marquise Goodwin so much. Yeah, but everyone was down on Marquise Goodwin the whole year. And at the end of the year, were, were they or were they not? Like, and Marquise Goodwin's going to be a starter. Of course he is. Yeah, of course he is. After everyone basically panned them like, and didn't even put him in the ADP for drafts. It's ridiculous. What? Hey, I was happy with picking up Marquise Goodwin near the end of drafts. That worked for me. So I'm very unsure about Pettis. He's um, listed as number two, obviously. Pettis is listed as the number one, but I don't know. I, I'm with you. I don't buy it right away. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Josh Hami is, uh, you know, articulating our point very well for us. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, 
Um, we want to end today talking about uh, some guys that you could keep an eye on for waiver picks either this week, which honestly I, I don't. I'm not too hot on waiver picks before week one because once upon a time I dropped Cam Newton before week one. Well, they shouldn't even that necessarily. Was a bad move. They shouldn't necessarily even be called waiver picks. But what what you're saying, I think, is these guys are are still available. Like they weren't drafted. <laughs> And maybe it's a mistake. For the most part, these guys are not drafted. Everyone here is owned in fewer than like 30% of leagues, except for uh, the guy at the very end. So Demarius Thomas is owned in 20% of leagues. He is the wide receiver in New England now. Um, You know, nobody knows what's going to happen for the New England uh, wide receivers. It's Edelman and Gordon right now. But if they don't end up dominating, Thomas is a veteran presence that Brady can go to. Um, I believe he was on the team in the playoffs or nearing the playoffs last year, right? And then he uh, tore his Achilles. Am I remembering correctly? Yeah, the problem with with your... uh, So he's got a little history with the team is all I'm getting at. The problem is that most people that have an Achilles or a major ankle injury never actually come back. And he got into a bad car accident this year too, right? I'm not a a huge fan, but you're right. Like right when we were doing a podcast in like March... Are you saying that that your alibi? You didn't you didn't crash into Demarius Thomas? I was here in Chicago, not in Denver. <laughs> Just want to make that clear. So I I don't think he'll make a major impact, but they did sign him back to their team. So if they if they do feel like they don't have the wide receivers they need, they could definitely bring him up and play him. All right, uh, DK Metcalf. So he's a wide receiver in Seattle that was just drafted this year. Uh, I think he was their second round pick. Uh, Metcalf was injured in a lot of the training camp, a lot of training camp this year, um, so he may not have been drafted in your league. He's available in thirty three percent of leagues right now. Um, he's going to be scoring points because they have nobody at wide receiver. They have Tyler Lockett and then nothing. Um, if I were to look up the wide, like, can you name me other wide receivers in Seattle, Dave? I'll look them up. You tell me. You give me one name. <laughs> Just give me one other person. There's someone who you do know. There's two people who you do know. Um. Uh. Well, I I know of of Gary Jennings. Okay, he was a draft pick this year. But you're right. I I there's no depth below Tyler Lockett, and that's right. why they, they have drafted Malik Turner listed as a starter. They also picked up Jerron Brown, and uh, David Moore is injured. So they've got nothing. Isn't, isn't Jerome Brown injured too? Uh, he might be. I just see him on a list of names. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's <laughs> not playing anymore. He's never going to play another snap in the NFL? Is that what's <laughs> going on here? Anything's possible. Uh, so according to Rotor World, Jerron Brown was re-signed on September 2nd. Hmm, okay. So it's one of those cut and then uh, re-sign him after the 53 in order to, uh, I assume, not have the veteran guarantees. Well, DK... That's just a business move, though. DK is 6'4", uh, uh, 230 pounds, so exactly my build, except all muscle instead of beer and pizza. <laughs> beer and, and cow. Yeah. So uh, they, he's exactly who they want him to be, and I hear only good things uh, about to happen. But the reason why nobody has him on their team is because everyone has been saying that, yes, he's a he's a huge uh, a specimen of a human being. A great specimen, right? Specimen. Specimen, and the the problem with that is that we're not sure that he can uh, grasp the offense, uh, do all the routes, work with uh, Russell Wilson, be able to block. All these things are are big question marks. Yeah, I mean, but he will clearly be scoring touchdowns in this offense. They're he's gonna want to use him. He's he a is, huge man. He's their brand new freaking toy. Uh, 
Yeah. And he's only owned in 33% of leagues. So mm. uh, you got Justice Hill, Baltimore running back. He is the rookie running back on a team that's probably going to run the ball more than any other team in the league. Uh, he's definitely going to get work later in the year. Uh, keep an eye on how much they use him early because he's only owned in 30% of Yahoo leagues. Uh, right now you've got Mark Ingram ahead of him. Obviously Lamar Jackson is going to run the ball a bunch. But I don't think that the Gus bus is going to kind of take over uh, that position like he did last year. So Justice Hill will have an opening to you know get a decent amount of work. Yeah, I think Gus is just a backup, which makes uh, Justice Hill probably someone who will start on, on some downs and, yeah. and maybe be a change of pace guy. Uh, but Mark Ingram is, is awesome. As long as Mark Ingram is not injured, then Justice Hill doesn't get very many fantasy points. Um, so a guy that uh, I thought was kind of an interesting signing is Michael Crabtree. Uh, so he went to Arizona, and he kind of helps fill out a back or a wide receiver core there. That aside from Larry Fitzgerald, is very young and inexperienced. Crabtree is only owned in two percent of leagues, so you may not even uh, be super pressured to uh, grab him right away. But he had a terrible season last year because Lamar Jackson was just not throwing him the ball. He was getting like one catch per game when Jackson was in there. So. Um, I, I think that Crabtree probably still has something left. I think that there's a good reason why they signed him. They needed the depth, obviously. But I think Crabtree could actually help them. Uh, so it's someone to keep an eye on. I'm not saying pick him up right now, but keep your eye out for Michael Crabtree. Um, a guy who you mentioned earlier, Dave, Frank Gore, uh, who we've always been wrong about. So let's just continue that. Why not? Uh, he's the running back in Buffalo. He is probably the starter right now in Buffalo. So I think that he's going to have a good-sized role to start the season at the very least. They do have Devin Singletary, who they drafted in the third round, I believe. Um, but I think both Singletary and TJ Yeldon will get work. I think this will be a committee, a committee's committee. Um, but but I do think Frank Gore will will be out there getting short yardage carries, and it's crazy, man. It's crazy. I think he's going to start the first game. He's only owned in fifty percent of Yahoo, fifteen percent of Yahoo leagues. If you were counting on Melvin Gordon and you didn't get one of the other guys in San Diego, not San Diego, but for the Chargers, then you know Frank Gore. You could do worse than starting Frank Gore in Week One. I'm not saying that it's going to be a guy that you're going to use all year. But Frank Gore, week one, week two, probably uh, worth taking a look at. We're mostly talking about week one here when we talk about the value of these guys, although we have touched on later in the season or all season long. I agree with you. I think Devin Singletary is a better guy for the whole season's length. Um, I think at the end of the season, he'll probably be carrying the ball more than Frank Gore. But at the beginning of the season, why would you not just take your Frank Gore and unleash him on the defensive line? So there you have it. Frank Gore will have a slow start and finish with 1,100 yards this year. (laughs) Jimmy Graham, Ah. uh, the only guy who's owned in a decent amount of these leagues. Uh, He is still the tight end in Green Bay. He seems to be fully healthy again. It's a new offense, even though he's on the same team, because they have a new coach, Matt LaFleur. Um, if you have decided to stream tight ends this year, which we kind of loosely recommended if you weren't going to be grabbing one of the top three guys in your draft, then I think Jimmy Graham needs to be in the rotation for sure. He's owned in 48% of leagues, so um, may or may not be available. But I, I, you know, we talked earlier about you know sort of the lack of depth of um, receiving options for Aaron Rodgers there. Uh, Jimmy Graham is a guy who, if he can finally put it back together will, you know, could dominate for one more year or something like that. Or at least some of it. Yeah, at least for a few games. So, I, you know, I, I like Jimmy Graham as a possible option here. Um, so keep an eye on him. 
Well, I'm excited about Thursday, which is the opening of the season. and that's, This time tomorrow, we'll be done with one football game. That's the Packers. 255 to go. Packers at the Bears. And uh, and then suddenly, we'll you know we'll, we'll probably just zoom to week 16. So make sure that you... And blink and it's gone. Make sure you savor the football season. It's always gone too early. All right. So I also look forward to it. Remember to set your lineups on Saturday. Remember to sign up for your confidence pool, for your survivor pool. Uh, yada yada. I may be talking to this some seems, of you very specifically. This seems self-serving. I don't know what you're talking about, Dave. <laughs> so just join us next week, guys. We'll talk about some of what went on in week one and tell you what to look for in week two. 